Welcome to the program. I trust that you are enjoying this study of Get Wisdom, Making Christian Heroes of Ordinary People by Ronald Kirk. <clears throat> you can purchase your own copy on getwisdom.us or on amazon.com. I suggest you get yourself a copy that you can keep in your phone, your computer, you can follow along, because this will help you and benefit you um, in years to come. And just been enjoying putting this together and, and looking through it and learning a lot myself as I put this together. So it'd be great. And uh, thank you, Ron, for allowing me to uh, to uh, utilize your book and uh, share it with uh, my listeners. And we've been getting uh, we've been getting uh, quite a a uh, a following, and we do appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. We do appreciate it. Uh, don't forget too that if uh, I ever get bumped out of here on uh, YouTube, that we also put the show on uh, Rumble. It's spassos one on rum, uh, Rumble.com. Spassos one, Rumble.com. Just uh, go there and you look for me, and uh, we'll see how things are going. All right. So on with the study. So today we'll be looking at the vocabulary of biblical philosophy, understanding of basic terms. Now, um, in order to communicate ideas, let alone to understand them, we must understand the true meaning of individual words. This is true since we both communicate and think with words. In modern times, words have lost their precise meanings. The experts have assisted in accelerating this language of demise. Compare any modern dictionary to the Noah Webster 1828 American Dictionary of the English Language, especially with respect to biblical vocabulary, and one quickly gets the message. Uh, and I just want to uh, add here, yeah, that's true. I mean, when I first got my uh, 1828 and began looking through it, uh, which you can get online, by the way, you can get a, you can buy a, a hardback copy of it, or you can uh, get it online for free. But it's interesting. Just look up some words like fun. Fun. Uh, uh, Webster in 1828 defines that as vulgar merriment, or things that we use a phrase called weird. <laughs> well, weird in uh, Webster's time meant um, have, pertaining to witchcraft. So uh, it's interesting to look at those things, but uh, let's move on. Therefore, we now present some basic definitions of terms which will lay a foundation for an American Christian philosophy of education. We will now seek to build an understanding of the expression of American Christian philosophy of education word by word. This exercise will both give a practical example of biblical method of scholarship, which we articulate in detail later, as well as help us to develop a more clear vision for the vision of Get Wisdom purposes. Now, education. Education is the bringing up as a child, instruction, formation of manners. Education comprehends all that series of instruction and discipline which is intended to enlighten the understanding, correct the temper, and form manners of habits of youth and fit them for usefulness in their future stations. To instruct, we must, we must teach or tell the children what God wants them to know and be. Teachers must take nothing for granted. Children are not born with wisdom. Rather, wisdom grows through effort. It is both a gift and a discipline. Wisdom and understanding are built upon a base of facts. 
the truth about things. Facts inform the mind in the light of principle. Otherwise, knowledge is merely speculation with no sure ground in reality. We find that biblical wisdom comes with examples, never mere unclothed theory. Godly knowledge thus always possesses content. Correspondingly, principle governs the reality of the fact. In other words, behind everything we see, there is a reason in God's created order, which arises from the nature of his own being. Therefore, we must learn and teach the principle behind the fact. The fear of the Lord is then the beginning of knowledge, instructional content. Note also that wisdom is the opposite of simplicity. Checklist methods militate against true wisdom. Life is complex and principle balances principle. Sequential instruction produces greater and greater foundations for wisdom and skills. Ultimately, wisdom requires action by faith then testing for good consciousness uh, excuse me then testing for good consequences the content of the results instructs a practical and spiritual wisdom the content of the results instructs a practical and spiritual wisdom a moral law governs all activities among men moral law that which governs the righteous the rightness of men's actions Wisdom requires accounting for this moral law and its teaching and learning. We find that in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, which says, These words I commanded you this day shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign upon your hand. And they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Finally, in order to be good stewards of God's resources, skills and wisdom, excuse me, finally, in order to be good stewards of God's resources, skills and wisdom must grow. Skills most effectively develop through the teaching of a master one who has previously acquired those skills. Therefore, instruction is crucial for all learning. Deuteronomy 6, 7 says to teach children diligently. Proverbs 5.23 says the children die without instructions. See Proverbs 1, uh, see Proverbs 1 through 9. Godly wisdom presupposes a consistent resort, resort to Christ. Now, I just want to add here, too, uh, I, I see the lack of wisdom in people. Um, and in order for us to be good stewards of God's resources, skills and wisdom must grow. Uh, I, 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 I see this a lot in today's society. We look and we see that uh, um, people are not applying themselves, and Christians specifically, they Christians don't seek wisdom. They don't seek godly wisdom. As such, we have things creeping into our schools, creeping into our 
churches. And uh, it's sad to see um, the shooting that just took place in uh, Tennessee. Sad to see, but we're seeing the result of us not following God's way. And it's, it is sad to see. Um, here, Ron says, skills most efficiently developed through the teaching of a master, one who has previously acquired those skills. I have been in discussion with a lot of people that um, say they know the Bible and they study the Bible, and that's all well and good. But again, even Jesus told his disciples, you know, you, 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 he was called a teacher, and he was teaching his disciples, and his disciples then went out and they taught others, and they went out and taught others. But we have we have people today that are just saying they don't need to listen to man's wisdom, and they go out on their own and they do things, uh, and they wind up. I'm trying to be cautious here because I'm going to do a show on this uh, later on, but they they tend to get into things that they really shouldn't, and they're misunder, misunderstanding Scripture. As always, remember, Scripture interprets Scripture. I'm sorry, I don't want to get to preach here a little bit, but I have to say this. Scripture interprets Scripture. So when you look at Scripture, you have to dive into what it says and not assume that one verse means what it says. And we need to stick to godly instruction. We need to learn from people who have developed skills, and we have to apply that to our learning in every area, not just the Bible. But uh, here in Deuteronomy, it does tell us that we need to teach our children diligently and that uh, the children will die without instruction, and I think that's that's very, very important. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get off on that, but uh, it's just something that's been on my heart. Discipline, paraphrased from Webster's, may be defined as directed practice or practice under the proper level of government. Now, uh, Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So, Training up a child with that discipline and that level of government, and government structure doesn't mean our government with a capital G. It means uh, a governing authority. Uh, somebody is governing over you or over that child and teaching them in a proper way. It is important to note that instruction of itself is inadequate. The fruit of mere instruction is speculative, Learn, is speculative learning or theory. Okay, the fruit of mere instruction is speculative learning or theory. <clears throat> Rather, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom must prove themselves in action. A great difference exists between knowing about something and mastering it. And, and there, and that I've used this example before. I think that if I was behind the yoke of an airplane, I can keep it in the air but I have not mastered flying. I know a lot about flying, okay, but I have never experienced being behind the seat, being in the pilot seat or a co-pilot seat and flying an airplane. I think I understand the basics of what keeps it up in the air, but I wouldn't be able to master that. 
couldn't ask me to jump in an airplane, take it off and fly it somewhere. I, I wouldn't know what to do. And the same with these, as I mentioned before, with these these folks who th- say they, oh, they 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 they, they oh, they they they've learned or things like this, but they they don't put their they don't put that knowledge, understanding, and wisdom in action. And we need to put our things that we know into action because, like he says here, and I agree, a great difference exists between knowing about something and mastering it. You could know how to bake a cake. And I could probably, I know I could bake a cake. I've done it, but I haven't mastered it. I wouldn't be the same as a baker who does it professionally. So think about the, in, in that way. Training is the necessary second leg of the tripod of education for adults as well as children. For without training, our learning is abstract of the mind only, and we are thus left without the skill to practice what we learn. Thus, we take nothing for granted in the student's ability. We demonstrate and help the individual to practice every step unto mastery, even if, for example, we have to wrap a hand around a kindergartner's hand to help him obtain his first results in penmanship. Ron says to Noah's Webster to Noah Webster's definition of education, I would add a third leg to the tripod. Example or inspiration. Some of our learning is simply breathed in. Note that inspiration properly belongs with God alone. Yet God has made men an important part of the process of inspiration through the influence of example. We follow the pattern given to us by those who are accomplished. Children emulate their parents. Literary stu- literally students strive to reproduce the style of their f- literary students strive to reproduce the style of their favorite author. Paul, in 2 Thessalonians, would have us follow his example. The disciples, were, the disciples were with Jesus. Certainly, Jesus constitutes the preeminent example of our lives. So these three elements, instruction, discipline, and example, constitutes, constitute the necessary constituents of learning. Jesus clearly exemplifies instruction, discipline, and example in the ministry to his disciples. Any educational system which minimizes an element or unduly emphasizes one element over the others brings imbalance to the process and thus necessarily misses the mark. Because ideas and actions have consequences, the educator must must be painfully mindful of the consequences the educational process will produce in the student. And education must be carefully crafted from its raw material. How does the Word of God stand regarding the rest of Webster's definition of education? Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 6, indicates the enlightening of the understanding is of great importance under God.
the Proverbs of Solomon, King of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the word of the wise and their riddles. And let me issue this challenge. Whenever you are reading something in a book, studying something where biblical verses are quoted, I would suggest that you take the time and open those books and open the Bible to that chapter and verse and look it up. When I was in Bible college, my theology teacher made us read every verse that was listed in the theology books, even if it was the same verse that was repeated maybe a paragraph before. And he would put on his test, I charge you before God and all those holy angels, have you carefully looked up every reference in the Bible? <laughs> so uh, uh, I would suggest that uh, when, you, when you do that, you do, you do check, and check the Bible and read it for yourself. Okay, that's just a, that's free for me. Webster says that temper is the disposition of the mind, the direction in which the mind or heart inclines. Proverbs 14.17 and Titus 1.7 both speak against a quick temper. Rather, the Bible teaches judiciousness, a disposition slow to anger. Certainly, Paul's admonition for the renewing of the mind would in turn result in a renewed temper or disposition. And of course, Proverbs fourteen seventeen, and the King James says, "Here that is, <clears throat> here is that is, he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly; a man of wicked devices is ha- is hated." And in Titus one seven, speaking of a pastor, for a bishop bishop must be blameless, as a steward of God, not self willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no nor striker, nor given to filthy lucre. I like that. I like that term, filthy lucre. The formation of habits prepares the mind to be reformed by the Holy Spirit. From inside out, as opposed to external conformity in the world, in several places Paul says put off the old ways and put on the new. Ephesians 4.13 tells us to walk in a manner worthy. Thus, manners and habits are important. Note that the word education carries with it no implicitly Christian imperative, except to those who understand the nature of things. In other words, it is impossible to instruct, discipline, and inspire upon evil principles with evil consequences expected as a result. Richard Henry Dana wrote two years before the mast, Young Dana's Adventures on the Sea and in Early California. In his book, Dana speaks of the need for evangelism for the sailors of the 19th century. He notes that only sailors he knew who were not he knew who were not receptive to the gospel were those who were well but secularly educated. A godless education confirmed in men in their self-centered outlook in life. In Dana's mind, a secular education was worse 
than no education. We agree. The adjective, the adjective, Christians must be understood or better pointedly added to the noun education for the term to mean what we intended in this study. So yeah, that, I, I just want to express that again. Dana's mind, a secular education was worse than no education. In summary then, education informs the mind and trains skills. Nothing worthwhile occurs without good education. Excuse me. Nothing worthwhile occurs without good education to prepare for one's work. God would have have present abilities further expanded and refined as he prepares us for greater responsibility. True education is that which yields to God's point of view of the nature of things. In doing so, as the learner overcomes the difficulty of learning, accepting God's economy of difficulty in faith, the character is trained and ability formed. Moreover, truth increasingly reveals itself. Thus, the righteous individual increasingly prepares to accept God's calling and to walk according to God's ways in practice. Now, let me say in closing that if you, I want to go back to that Richard Dana, Henry Dana thing. If you haven't read the book Two Years Before the Mast, I suggest you read it. Uh, <laughs> Richard Henry Dana had a um, very bad eye condition, and I guess the known curing of the eyes at that time was to, to go to sea. Salt air would, would cure the problem. Well, he decided not to not only to um, go to sea, he decided to serve on board a ship. And it's a very interesting book, and I think you would be uh, blessed in reading that. It's very, very good. All right, so, well, that's it for today. Um, Next week, we'll be studying the philosophy of education. And don't forget to give me a thumbs up and catch all my episodes here on YouTube or on Rumble. And don't forget to subscribe because I'll tell you one thing, there's going to be some new shows coming out in between the ones I do on Wednesday and Saturday. So I would suggest you subscribe so you get notified of the new shows that will be coming up. But thank you again for joining me here on The Truth Must Be Told in our Get Wisdom study. Again, you can uh, purchase the book at Ron's website, getwisdom.us. That's getwisdom.us. And you, or you can find it on Amazon.com. All right, well, thank you again for being with me. And we will see you next week on The Truth Must Be Told. We'll see you Saturday for sure. God bless.